This is when Harvey was home, and I do podcast presentation, and I am your host, True Story. Thank you for joining us in this year, episode 25 of our series, where we look at all things Arsenal-related from a Green Affairs perspective. We back in Wintown. <laughs> it feels good to be back in Wintown, for real. It's been a minute since we could celebrate a win at the start of a podcast, so go and sip yourself a little something. We just say cheers, man. <laughs> <laughs> but right back at it, you know, it's a tough week, you know, exam week for Miguel. I feel we're gonna be tested a lot against Prague, and they know it too as a team. Having seen them in the first leg, knowing that you basically won that game and then you threw it away in the last couple of seconds, it's gonna be a tough one. And it's for a lot of mandem days, it's last chance saloon. And I think even for Miguel, you know, it's not justifiable for him to remain in that position long term if we don't get over the hump in this game you know because it doesn't bode well for us down the line if we can't beat Prague and get not even Prague it's not just about Prague for me with the with the draw we've been dealt if we can't get to the final of the Europa League and win it knowing the type of season we have knowing the, all our eggs are in that basket if you can't get these mandem up to go get that done then I don't think you don't want to get these mandem up although I know a lot of these mandem as well are on last chance to lose as well because they should be out the door it'll be hard to sell to the fan base that Miguel stays unless it's a thing where the board comes out in front where they say listen we didn't back him the way we're supposed to have backed him and everything that happened this season wasn't his fault in a sense you know because there's certain things where He's having to do genius things on the fly, you know. We see him have to put Jack at left back and it'll work for him because he has to do that. They didn't buy him a backup left back and they let Sergio up off and then they let Ainsley Maitland Niles go out on loan and then what, you know. So that's what it is. Let's start it off right with a couple takeaways from the win against Sheffield United. Solid 3 0 win. I feel we saw in that game that attacking lineups beget better performances, especially in an attacking sense. And as Arsenal, we know what we built off of, right? We built off of our ability to be able to instill fear in the hearts of the opposition. Every single time they face us, they know at the very least Arsenal are going to come at us and they're good enough to beat us. They may concede a goal or two, yet they're good enough on their day to score three, four, five if you let them play their game. So a lot of teams often would respect us for who we are. Sometimes that's why they want to beat us early because they wouldn't want to face the wrath of us scoring three or four goals on them, right? And then it got to a point where teams started to realize that, hey, we're not, they're not going for it as much as they used to. They're a bit tentative. They're trying not to concede too many goals. And then they realize we're not as fluid attacking, so they would disrespect us a bit more and just come at us. And it, it, it didn't look, it didn't feel well for me as a fan watching those type of games. And teams are coming at us because we don't respect ourselves enough. And in a game like this, when you know, have a ruthlessness about yourself. Sheffield have no chance of survival. They were relegated after this game because mathematically now it's impossible. You should be going into games like that at any point in the season. Even if it was the start of the season, you should look at that level of opposition and say, these mandem should not beat us. We should get three points. You know? And that's the type of lineup you put there saying, you know, I'm going to have all my attacking players or as many of them as possible. And I like seeing that. You know, I like seeing him play like a Z knowing I'm still going to put technically another three great attacking players around him and Saka and Pepe and Gabi Martinelli and my midfield is attacking with Partey and Ceballos not a defensive midfield you know I like that squad it gave me like just looking at that squad yes you were like okay I'm scared for a second because 
either we're going to a back three with Xhaka in the back three or Xhaka's at left back or Saka's at left back you're not sure for a second and then when you see the squad you're like okay it actually kind of works and when you see tactically as well we'll get into just what he was doing with the position part of it with the positioning of of Osebios you know taking him away from the danger position like he took basically our two most troublesome midfielders out of the most problematic areas in the field right as it pertains to Xhaka and Ceballos where they get in trouble sometimes having to receive the ball on the half turn and having to distribute the ball and get caught in possession of almost place a pass and then we under pressure they didn't have to be in that position you know so they're on the left channel basically receiving the ball and they can actually turn and then face face forward and play a pass freely you know and carry the ball if they have to carry the ball in Sabayos's case in Jacko's case it was more disciplined job which he did there I like that I like seeing that and I think the fluid passing that we saw I mean a lot of it was it was exemplified in that finger ball goal with a little flip back for Sabayos and then like a finishes yet you realize in a lot of moments in the game we had those phases where it's neat touches neat touches one two three passes and then it's an opening one two three passes recycle the ball then it's an opening you need those things and more often than not you don't get those things when there's no movement and you can pass the ball for days and it can go backwards and sideways if there's no forward movements the ball will never really go forward and never really progress you know the tiki taka was based off of that creating little triangles like Bengal used to like to make us do back in the days though the triangle helps you advance the ball you know where you can move it side to side and then play to the more advanced play in the triangle and then build a new triangle with a new base where these two players can come forward or whatever the case may be it creates a different level of movement a third man release and a third man runner just so much more we're seeing in that game saying all you did was put in players who are probably more predisposed to making those runs and playing those passes and being in those positions that that, that allowed for the rest of the team to start playing that natural game that game is already within the squad it's in our dna everybody said it's in our it's a, it's a goal that's within arsenal's dna will never leave right of course it is yet at the end of the day those players can have an idea there as much as possible if it's not practiced you know it doesn't become part of the epigenetic memory over time it's something that has to be practiced for your epigenetic memory to kick in and it, as it pertains to your dna as a squad right so i think it's something we're starting to learn within our football team as well we mentioned granit Xhaka being a little bit under pressure playing out of position and he played a lot better than maybe when he was comfortable in the position where he feels there's no competition for now he's realizing that okay it might be a situation where if he's not sold in the summer and because Mikel likes the, the characteristics he brings as a player within the dressing room he will probably stay in that El Nini role as the squad player right so if he's in that El Nini role as the squad player then you're looking at Granit Xhaka more as a guy that may have to play utility play positions like left back he may have to play in a utility position like like Vengas, I mean like Mikel said sometimes you, you ask Granit to play center forward you'll be like okay coach what do I have to do with it so you'll have to play in a couple positions within the team system if he's coming off the bench if he can play like that because he's under pressure i can live with it it's because when he's not under pressure he gives us those shy performances that we can't live with right so it's like okay the discipline was there defensively he was determined in the tackle he wasn't out of place so that you wouldn't see him having to scamper to make those type of recovering tackles and the likes and tactically it looked like he had a job to do as it pertains to making that back line a bit narrower he wasn't overlapping as a left back he was more tucking in as the left back and allowing you know Partey or Ceballos or you know by proxy they would clean up that left side you, know, you wouldn't have somebody stationed there per se and I like that because it showcased that he can actually you know play according to tactic whatever the tactic is for the game all it takes for maybe a fire to be lit under him you know and it was nice to see that so great performance across the board I felt 
for me, it changed my mind a little bit as it pertains to do you immediately sell Zaka. I mean, if an offer does come in for 20 odd million, 25 odd million pounds, you do take it, you know, because right now the, the value in relation to what you can actually spend that money on and bettering your squad, you have to look at that, offsetting that, right? Yet in the same breath, you're looking at him and say, if you don't get him an offer that is, you know, com- commensable with his value, you could sit on him for about a season or two. And play him in that backup role and see what you can get value-wise in that role because he does provide something, you know. And I like seeing that little bit of something in that game. And, I, and big ups to Mikel for tapping into that and getting that out the player too, you know. Um, Partey showcase in that game why you know a lot of the doubters and a lot of the criticism was probably unfathomed because and unfounded because he's he's a class player, you know, and he's taken them a while to adjust into that squad because he came in, had a good three, four, five game run of form and then started to get a couple injuries and he didn't really get over that span of injuries. And it's one of those things where he had acclimatized early on because he hit the ground running. Then you get into a phase where you're getting all these injuries for a player gets to a point where maybe he doesn't acclimatize as quickly as we thought he was acclimatizing, right? Now it seems like he's finding his feet again, you know, and it's a thing where probably next season we can enjoy the party and we can get ready for the party yet. Right now, Thomas Partey is showcasing the fact that you pay money for quality. You know, he bossed that midfield and that assist was amazing for that Lacazette goal. And you're thinking, there's a type of player we've always needed in our midfield. Now we have him. Now it's time to build around him and compliment him, you know, because once you have more pieces around Thomas Partey and what he can offer our midfield, we can go places as a football club. There was times when he was literally playing that midfield alone. You know, sometimes people think it's facetious when we talk about midfielders who can boss in the field alone. There are those type of players that allow you to play like Mikel played in that game where he played Jacques as part of a back three sometimes with Ceballos wide left and then Chambers was overlapping on the right side and then Partey was alone in the field with Saka as a 10 while still having inside wide forwards and a center forward. You don't even know what formation that is anymore. It's because there are players that allow you to break the mold of, of formations and positions as a result of the qualities they have and that's Thomas Partey he's that type of player you know so for Mikel as well to tap into that especially coming off the back of him not having a good run of games for you to go and ask him to do something that you know he's capable of and he maybe hasn't showcased his, his, his propensity to do it over the past couple games that actually showcases the faith you have in him as a gaffer and for me as a player i'll be sitting in a position saying okay i should up my performances if anything i don't have to be as hard on myself because there's an environment here that allows me to develop and continue developing they know how good i am so let me continue tapping into how good i am right that was just great to see across the board bukaya saka was another one where he started the game in a central attack in the field position he would drift in a lot closer to party sometimes we would lose the ball allowing lacazette to drop into the 10 position so you know it, it wouldn't it would help our pressing a lot right and i like seeing just how he was all over the field you know literally he has been our player of the season coming from that right inside forward position having been probably our most improved player last season at left wing back now he's our player of the season and i think we still don't know what his best position is and in this game i realized i was one of the few who has advocated to see what Bukaya Saka could be a 10. That was before we played a Mewson throw. I might have to add that. That was before we got Udegaard on loan. Start of the season, I was saying, let's see what Saka can be a 10 because I wanted to see Saka in a team with Pepe on the right side and Martinelli on the left side. Well, we got it in this game and he was brilliant. He was brilliant and you start to realize that in this kid, we have our talisman. That's the type of player we probably have to pay 200 million for in today's market, right? You don't have to. You already have that player develop that player accordingly because you realize now you don't have to move on from it you don't have to make it a bench player you 
can make Saka a central midfielder where he seems more natural for me, especially if he can build up more his fitness. I feel he's fit enough to play games, I think, by physical conditioning, right? To take those knocks. Playing central midfield will also help you just mentally prepare for taking those knocks when you get up and play on, or you win your free kick and play your card, his yellow card, and you go on, right? Because I feel now, especially in the future, where you have Partey playing the base of the midfield by himself, then you can play a Milson the throw and Saka centrally. And then you can still play a Martinelli wide and you can still play a Pepe wide and still play with a centre forward in a 4-3-3 base that allows you to have your wing backs overlap and partake and drop deep. Your two central midfielders are probably your most comfortable players on the ball and in the field. So it allows you to actually basically swarm your opposition centrally and then spray the ball out wide and then hurt them. Now that counter-pressing is going to be unplayable on Arsenal's side, you know what I'm saying? We're going to be a different football club as a result of that because you still have Pepe, you have Martinelli as a goal threat, you still have Saka and ESR creating, you still have the wing-backs overlapping, then you have Pepe, I mean, you have parties still distributing the ball from the quarterback position, you have something special there. So I think over time it's something we need to consider saying that that that, that Alaborough, you know, that David Alaborough, that left central midfield where Emil Smith was right central midfield and they interchange where sometimes when you're playing without and out wingers then they're playing on their inverse foot and cutting in sometimes from a half turn position this is going to offer something differently and i think for miguel as he grows tactically he's able to maybe experiment a bit more it's something that i, I was excited a lot regarding him taking over because i thought you know what miguel can bring a bit more of this tactical flexibility that we speak of in football right that ability to change a tactic on the fly you know and go from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-4-2 diamond in the game and still not change the personnel on the field per se you know what i'm saying like you can use the same players that you started your starting 11 with and change the formation three four times before you make a substitution that messes with the opposition bro and that allows your players to know that you know what regardless of how the opposition is playing our coach knows how to set us up in a way to nullify their threats and still make us a threat they will trust and believe in you and you always get the best out of them as a coach i believe you know in this game we also learned that laka isn't a great goal scorer but he is a scorer of some really great goals and I feel we may have misdiagnosed the situation when we signed him, you know, he came into our, our waiting room. I think we thought we were finding ourselves that great goal scorer, you know, that we, we needed to replace here on Rio with. I guess it was easy. He's French and he just has this genus of quoi about him and he's going to score 30 goals a season. Nah, he's more of a 15, 20 goal a season guy. And he'll score you some amazing goals, yet he'll also give you that hold of play, that pressing, that running. He'll give you that charisma, like we talk about, that class that we talk about, right? And it's a sad, it's a sad event to see that we are not realizing that so late, you know, because in reality, if you had built a squad around him in this way, I don't think you do that Bumayang business the way you did it because you brought up Umayang still saying I'm buying a striker and you haven't found a coach that can play the two of them so I don't think you would have paid up Umayang the way you paid him knowing I might have to go with Lacazette long term and even age profile wise it's hard to go with Lacazette long term when you're realizing that Lacazette is 31 and then the age profile of the kids behind him who are playing in the 10 and 11 and 7 positions is like age 21, 22, 23 there's a big gap between them that you realize in the timeline is just not the same Well, you can keep them for a season or two you're going to have to be moved on eventually why not get them a center forward who's going to play with down the line 
you know, there's talk of Balogun signing his contract, there's talk of the young man from Celtic signing, there's room there to do something, right? I think it'll probably be the perfect time right now to move on from Leiter. And as Arsenal fans, I think it shouldn't be with a heavy heart that we do that because we saw that we didn't do right by him all the way. That even some of our anger as it pertains to his performances and missing chances was unfounded in that regard because that's not necessarily his job. We should we should have put that on my midfielder to be scoring more goals than that because I know Laka's gonna score me one and three, one and four. He's not gonna score me one and two. You know, I need a midfielder that can score me one and two. That's then we have the conversation of we have to look at Abuma Young. Are you gonna score me goals consistently on the wing or do I have to go invest in a different player? It was a lot of money we spent on Mandem, you know. Nikitarian wasn't cheap money, especially considering the fact that we let Alexis go and in that position. Alexis was actually scoring goals. So it's just conversations we need to have within our own selves as a fan base. And you know, we're better off probably with this clean slate, able to rebuild our squad, knowing now what we know. You know, knowing what we know as it pertains to we have Saka, we have Pepe, we have Martinelli, we have Emil Smith Rowe, you know, we have Nelson, we have Balogun, we have Nketiah too, yet you have guys like Nicolas Moller. So when you go spend, is are you spending for something that's gonna give you value right now? Or are you hoping for value? Because if you're hoping for value, you have more potential in your squad than you do have in maybe going to spend 30 odd million on a guy you're not sure what it's gonna be. So rather go for those guys where you can risk it now. Go spend five million on a guy people don't expect to become a star out of League Two in France and then he becomes a star. Go get a guy out of Serie B in Brazil and he becomes a star. Martinelli, Guendouzi, go give me those type of players to build with these mandem. So when we do spend big money, there must be a rated return of investment day one we can see it. The party type signing. You know, the Gabriel type signing. Pepe to a degree now is starting to show as well, right? So that's just my takeaways from that, man. The Sheffield game, um, enjoyable game, like we said. Um, we created a lot of chances, <laughs> you know, 14 shots at goal to their seven. We had five on target, converted those, you know, three goals. Not a bad conversion rate. They had two, we still kept a clean sheet. That's nice to see. Position-wise, we didn't really try to boss the game as much. It was 55% to their 45. 577 passes to their 469, 89 ball possession for our um, passing position accuracy for us and 84% for them. So as you can see, it was one of those games where it's who uses the ball better and how many chances you can take as a result of that. You know, we created a couple of chances as a result of having the ball and using it a lot better. And we took a couple of those. So, you know, 3-0, great result. For me personally, it was a tough one because when it comes to guess the lineup, we had four starters, right? <laughs> And the bonus points, so terrible performance as it pertains against the lineup, yet we won the game. So I'm grateful, like I always say, like you would get the lineup right the other times and then we would lose the game by a handy margin. Now we won the game handily, so for me, I guess the lineup, we can take that. It was more interesting to see formation-wise what he was doing, you know, because he started with a 4-2-3-1, yet in position it was more 3-3-3-1. And defensively would turn into a 5-2-3 type of formation as we talk about Saka dropping in and then when we were in position you know we'd have Zaka Jaka dropping back and then Ceballos would go wide left and then you would still have the three at the top with the one at the top it was a pretty interesting it was a pretty interesting tactical adjustment that he made there and I think over time we'll start to see the best of Mikel Arteta as it pertains to his tactical now because he does have a couple tricks up his sleeve and you know, it's, it's nice to see him vindicated in that result. So let's just run through it, man. Player ratings. 
Brett Lennon started in goal. I wasn't trying to start him in goal yet. He started, he kept a clean sheet. That would do wonders for his morale, for his confidence, and for us as a fan base. It was just good to see him in a start and in a clean sheet and a good performance. He was solid throughout. I still feel he won't hold anything or catch the ball. It's like, bro, no, maybe he's got commitment issues. He doesn't want to hold on to none for too long, but I heard that, Leno. So that's a seven for Leno, man. Callum Chambers started it right back ahead of Cedric Suarez. And I think it was a pretty good game overall, you know. Unfortunately, some may argue that Sheffield is more his level yet. He plays to the level that is out there, you know. And if you put up a higher level out there, sometimes he actually does try to put up a higher performance. And maybe to his detriment in the past because he would try too hard. Now I think he kind of knows his own limitations as a footballer. And he just plays according to the game plan and what's out there on the field, you know. So... I think he's going to get better over time. He's still regaining his fitness, coming back from yet another injury. Unfortunately, that thing of him being in a game, out of game, is not going to help his case of being the backup right back if we do make moves in the summer. So I think he's probably going to be part of the summer overhaul. We can get a good 5 10 million from him, especially having rebuilt his value as a result of such good performances, right? Rob Rodinia started at right center back. I think for me, he improved during the game. You know, I'll give him a 7 as well because... It's one of those things where if you can just get consistency from Rob Holding in that position and then we can look at it in the summer like we said last episode. As long as you can just give me the sevens and eights at your worst a six until the summer and then we can have a conversation. That's the whole point of you being my place holding center back, bro. And then you could actually earn that position outright as a result of you appreciating your position while plotting your promotion. So I think he looked good on the ball, which he continues to do. You know, him being able to break out that line now and, and, and play a couple forward passes, especially playing next to a guy like Pablo Marie at left center back, who I think did well. He came in for Gabriel, and I think Pablo Marie is probably the best backup center back I've seen us have ever. You know, because you don't feel a fear when he comes in. Any time in the past, think of any other backup center backs we've had. Some of them were playing as our first choice, but from the Giroud to the William Gallas, the Mikael Silvestres, bro, Igor Stepanos, bro, like, oh, we've had center backs that were supposed to be our backups and you should trust when they come in. Okay, we can trust. Nah, Pablo Marie comes in and can give you a solid seven. You know, so I think he was solid throughout the game. A nice partner for Rob Holding, especially when Rob Holding and Gabriel haven't always got the best out of each other of late. It's one of those things where maybe Rob Holding can pick up one or two things from playing with Marie that allows him to play better next to Gabriel. And Gabriel watching from the bench, watching how Marie plays next to Rob Holdinho, can maybe pick up a couple of things that allows him to play better next to Rob Holdinho down the line. Daniel Jacques started the left back and it was a surprise for many of us to see him start there. I had young Joao Lopez starting in there. Well, he started and I think for us, the deputy left back, he had a very good game. And as we spoke about that, it was the discipline, right? The discipline to be able to know how to stay within his channel and the instruction of the positioning, knowing that his job is literally to cover that channel at left back vaguely until you know we get position and then he slots into almost left center back allowing the bias to go into left wing back so you don't overlap in that regard and it's and it's a zone that if you look at his heat map for the last couple 
months under Arteta, he's kind of played in that area of the field, right? That left wing back, left midfield channel anyway. So it's like not too much change, probably just a couple more instructional things about when you go into which zone and what you do there. And he had an amazing game for me. I rate that as an eight because he had to play out of position and he had to be disciplined, something that he's not good at doing in his own position, right? So you have to you have to give credit where credit is due in there. He had a very good game and I feel if he's gonna start there against Salvia Prague, the best thing Mikael could have done is play him in this game, in that position and build up his confidence over time. So that was dope to see as well. Thomas Partey time started in midfield and like you said, there was times when he was passing that midfield by himself. He grew into the game over time. He's had a shaky couple of games. You can see it was probably weighing on his mind that I can't afford to have a bad game against this lot because then we have no hope going into Prague and the team won't have any hope going into Prague because he is our boss man in that midfield, you know. And that's why you pay for quality, you know. That assist was world-class. His performance throughout the game for me personally was world-class, you know. There were times, as we said, he had to hold that midfield by himself, not panic. He had to be able to command the plays and say, Saka, I need you to drop in. The times when... Chambers was the one who was supposed to drop in from right wing back to come and play centre midfield with him. There were times he was supposed to pull some buyers back and say, you come in here. There was like a leadership role within that where he's not only supposed to take care of his performance, he's supposed to take care of the performance of the whole team. And he did that with aplomb. And I think for me, only over time will we see the best of Thomas Partey. It is games like this that showcase what you pay that level of money for, you know? that's that This is what lets us further know why we should invest in our squad, right? Because Thomas Partey gets an eight for me and his performance will only grow over time and our performance as a team will only grow over time as a result of players like him carrying us forward. Danny Ceballos I felt was a surprise starter because I had a kid like Miguel and Z starting in this game. In hindsight, great start. I was still questioned that thing. If Miguel knew he wanted to do a tactical thing where I want to ask him to do a little bit more, I would have loved to see him ask something like that from a kid like Miguel Aziz who if it didn't work out the fans wouldn't have as much you know expectation or as much vitriol for the manager because we would understand that okay it's a young player and you're asking to do something that he's not maybe not accustomed to doing and he's having to do it in a very big game for him because it's probably like a debut for a start yeah Danny Ceballos did well he spoke of the fact that he was playing in that left wing channel pocket sometimes especially when we had the ball and he did amazingly especially knowing that he hasn't played well for the past couple of games he's made some high profile errors and we also as a team haven't found partners for party and complement what he can do so for him to come in under those circumstances and have the type of game he had i'll give him a seven because that little back heel assist for that Lacazette it's like you know he's got that in his game you know we speak of that like Latin American footballers or players of that you know continental origin they have that in their game and it's so beautiful to see it the question about them is always do you know when to perform that it's a question they always have us about as us as African footballers do you know when to dribble when to clear the ball when to play the pass when to take the shot and in that space at that time in that moment he made the right decision and that's what you want to see. For me personally, it's also about how the team was playing. More often than not, he would be getting the ball too many times in his own opposition, third, in his own defensive third. And he would have to try to do something special just to try to help us break our own lines to get forward. Now because we play, we're breaking those lines with ease and we're getting forward effortlessly, he's able to now find himself in those positions where he can do those fancy flicks and tricks where it helps us, you know? And it gets him an assist, it gets like a goal, and look at that. You know, I know we, we probably shouldn't get too excited with this and we should probably let him go back to Real Madrid on loan. I mean, back to Real Madrid when his loan ends yet in the same breath. We've realized what we've been missing in that position. We've always spoken about the fact that Arsenal, when we have a sense of play and creativity in our midfield, 
I spoke about the start of the show. Teams fear us because they know this fight, if they get going, when they get going. Because it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. When our quality is good enough, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Now when our quality is hit and miss, it's a question of if they get going today, then they could beat us. No. When we're good enough, we know it's like, okay, when we get this going, when the pass lands. Those times when you just watch the passes and you be like, okay, it's not it's not clicking yet. Don't worry, they'll find it. <laughs> and then they find it and then they go. You know, so it's starting to feel closer to that again. I know it's only going to get better when we get quality players within the squad. So it was nice to see from Dennis Sabayas. We give him a solid seven for that. Saka started in the eighth position, in the number 10 position rather. I'll give him an eight for that for that performance. Yet yeah, it was so great to see him in that number 10 position because for me, he slotted in there like a glove on Michael Jackson's hand, bro. Like he was all over the field, buzzing. And every time he'd get on the ball, you could see the people his teammates are now moving in anticipation of what's going to happen same thing with martinelli same thing with nico pepe there was more of a a drive about the team there was a hunger there was a fight there was a there was a sense of something you know you had an expectation every time you see them get on the ball every time you think damn here we go again they have, they're on the ball, they're going, it's a chance, you know, Nelly's on the ball, Saka's on the ball, Pepe's making a run, Dre's holding it up and then bringing them into the game, it's just, it's a, be- it's a beautiful thing to see, so for me, he ran the show until he went off and around the 69th minute with a slight injury, I pray he'll be okay, but his movement was brilliant, he deserved the goal while he was on the field because I think that would have justified why he should be in that position long term or at least there or about you know in the central midfield because first and foremost he's harder for the opposition to pick up you almost have to send two players for him we're in the wide full in the wing positions they can double up on him with the wingers or maybe one of the center backs and it doesn't inconvenience their back line as much as if you have to double up on him with two central midfielders which means either Ceballos or Partey is going to be free a central midfielder when Martinelli drifts in or when Pepe drifts in one of your midfielders can't pick them up you know one of your center backs has to step up and pick him up at 10 which means like Azet doesn't have to deal with two Monday morning he has to deal with just one it's just it's different man he just offers us so much more and I like to see that Nico Pepe started on the right side I give him an eight as well because that front line all of them for me get eight man because they were great like he had a great game overall defensively tactically attacking he was disciplined he knew when to break the line he knew when to run back and sprint back at full speed he knew when to dribble as well which for me is like that that's one of the things he continues to impress me with he started to understand when to take a man on when to lay a pass when to just run yourself off ball and let your movement be the threat instead of the ball being at your feet and you having to hug the ball to be able to offer us a threat it's starting to showcase why down the line he will have to start on the right side with soccer in midfield because our team is unplayable like that especially when you have a martinelli on the other side teams don't know where to look you literally can't have a weakness in your back line as a team because we will take advantage naturally and even when you're strong, most teams are normally strong overlapping on one side. So if we send the right side of full back up, you can't do that against Martinelli. You can't even send your left back up against Pepe. It will penalize you there. So it's like that thread, bro. That thread. I like to see it. Gabby Martinelli started on the left side and he was brilliant. For me, he was brilliant all game. He looked a threat every single time he got on the ball. And he pressed the, the ball brilliantly. For me, he's, he's the best presser of the ball that I've seen since Alexis Sanchez because Alexis, everybody would argue, Alexis will always press the ball if you watch after he lost it. He would run back after he lost the ball because you didn't want to be looked at like, oh, you just tried to do something amazing and then you lost the ball. And then, you know, so people were like, nah, it's like, listen, he's, he's gassing you. He doesn't really press the ball. He only presses the ball when he messes up. Martinelli presses the ball 
24-7. Non-stop that kid runs his socks off. And when he gets on the ball, he's still capable of creating a chance. More often than not, you find players who press the ball that well. When they get on the ball, they can't do much with it. When he gets on the ball, oh my goodness, watch out. And I love that. I love that about him because to see him start after everything he's been through with the injuries and the acclimatization, having come in on a high and then having to go through that low of the injuries and when you're available, you're not getting a look, you're not going out on loan, there's all this, you know, it's just everything's up in the air. Then you get a start and you score and you have that performance, you justify why you deserve to be in this team. You justify why so many of us have been clamoring for you week in and week out every episode saying, where's Nelly? It's getting hard in here now because Nelly's here, bro. And that's what we want to see. So shout out to Mikael for starting the kid. Shout out to Nelly for taking this opportunity with both hands and saying, you know what? I'm here now. I'm ready to go. That's the future of our football club. You see that front line we had there behind Dre Lacazette of Nico Pepe, Saka, and Martinelli. I literally insert ESR and that's a bias position. And that's your squad, bro. Go fix me my back line. My front line is ready to go. You don't have to spend between 200 million to fix the squad. Just be smart about it and sell the dead wood, bro. And then buy quality players and quality positions, bro. Dre Lacazette had an amazing game for me. The man of the match, I give him a nine. Started as the captain and led the line with a plum. Two great goals. That Wenger ball first goal was just, I don't understand what in the world. And his finishing is one of those things. We talk about that. He scores some great goals. He's not a great goal scorer, but he scores some really great goals. And it's because of that level of finishing. That's what makes you, when you see his finishing, say, hey, you should be scoring a whole lot of goals. Because <laughs> you can finish like that. And maybe sometimes he tries to make it look too pretty. You know, there's, there's moments where he does that. Yet those goals you can't take away from him. And it's great to see him get back among the goals. Great to see him with that smile again. Rewarded for his play. Because there's some games in the past where he's missed some chances. Yet he's hold up play. He's running off the ball. His leadership as well. Just not dropping his head. It's been important. Yes, it hasn't really got us the wins in that regard yet now it got us the win and i pray against Prague that he does start down the middle to just justify that you know he is good enough for this arsenal level and if he does go out when he does go out rather he goes out on that high note you know it shouldn't be a thing where we came in and he was playing the flute for us and now it's a sad song now nah, but we still play the flute because regardless of how you chop it he's one of the best goal scorers we've seen play for arsenal you know like this is just looked at it was a he scored his he was a he was a sixth Frenchman to score 50 goals for Arsenal. He comes from a long line of pedigree Frenchmen who score goals for Arsenal and for him to have done that and brought a smile to our face as he's done, I'm grateful for it. So regardless of what we have said and we'll continue to say about his performances, big up yourself then like I said man. Bukaya Saka went off injured for William who came on around the 69th minute. Um, we can't really rate that because man didn't do too much. We'll give him a standard six. One side note is like shout out to Kia Jeruption, dog. I need an agent, bro, because for you to get like really on that walkthrough money like that, bro, where he just has to show up for a couple minutes at Arsenal and pick up a bag like that, hit a man up, bro. Like, okay. Martinelli came off and then Nelly came on around the 83rd minute. Can't really grade that. Um, Ngetia also came on for Lacazette as well around the 89th minute with 3 0 up then as well. Can't really grade that. We can grade Mikel Artekas, however, we give him a solid 8 because tactically the adaptations he made before the game 
knowing he's playing Jacques in that position, so he has to have a conversation with Jacques, he has to have a separate conversation with Ceballos, he has to definitely have a separate conversation with Saka about what his role is going to be in the midfield. There's still talk, your standard conversation with Callum Chambers about discipline and tactical awareness, and they still pulled it off, you know. So big ups to Mikel Ateta, go and big yourself up, man. I feel he's starting to manage the squad better as it pertains to rotation, where if you look at it over the past couple of games, I, it's rare to find a player like aside from Reese Nelson for me and I guess Falugan because Nketiah got a game now. Who, which player and the goalkeepers, basically, which players that have been available in the first team who have been in the first team all season haven't had a look in over the past five games. Aside from those players, it's none. He's literally rotated the squad where every Mandem who was part of his workable squad that he has the training in the first team has had a run out. Which for me also bodes well because when you give him a squad of players that he has handpicked and he wants to work with and he can get the best out of, then we will see the best of Mikel Arteca. So, you know, so that was an eight for me. Quan big yourself up, Mikel. Which segues us nicely into the Savio Prague preview where I gotta take a sip of my tea for this because Brody. Mm, mm, mm. It's literally the last chance to learn, bro. It's last chance to learn time. No matter how eloquent we can get about how well Miguel has done in very dire circumstances with not much resource to work with and everything, we can we can wax lyrical and get poetic about the fact that it wasn't the best situation and he's trying to make the best of it. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. The reality is whatever you make, <laughs> those who gave you the lemons to make something with are going to want to taste the product at the end of the day. And today might be the day where that product has to be tested for Miguel, you know, because unfortunately in football, you are graded on that way. You don't qualify for Europe. Like we're going to say in our notes now, what is it, 25 consecutive seasons where Arsenal have been in European competition. In the league, we looking like we're not going to make it because we're nine. So you can't count Europe from league place. Which means you'll be getting Euro from Europa League. If I'm not mistaken, last season, because we didn't win it, we got into it because we're in a final. And the team that got into the final also qualified, so we got that spot. Long technicalities and all that shit. Basically, we can't get into Europe without winning the Europa League. And winning the Europa League gets you into the Champions League. So now you have a double carrot on top of the cake but two cherries on the cake bro what more incentive would you need to put away Savia Prague probably come up against Villarreal who you are good enough to beat beat the Mandem justify that you are the better manager compared to Unai Emery get into a final more than likely against Man United who you are better than them yet they are second on the log right now because they found a way to get the best out of the squad that they invested in. It's not the best out of the squad. That's not the best the squad can do yet. Because they paid money, they're getting a level that is at least number two. We pay for number nine. So we can't afford to pay for number two level with our Champions League next season. Which means this game has everything riding on it. There's times back in the day we'll talk about the 250 million pound match where it's like, okay, you win this game, 
getting into Europe and then in Europe the, the, the money is going up this season and it could literally be worth 250 million pounds this game for us this game is literally that it's our summer over everything is riding on this way if there's been negotiations and Edu's having conversations with Mandam they want to know are you going to be in Europe next season you can't guarantee that until you know how this is going or how this is going to pan out and unfortunately, a lot of those conversations, a lot of those texts start becoming unresponded. A lot of those phone calls start becoming shorter when you get knocked out by teams like Prague, bro. Knock on everything. We can't afford that. So today, we got to take care of business. Y'all already know. Y'all already know. So it's away from home. Prague are fresh off a derby win against Sparta Prague 2-0. They literally 23 games unbeaten in all competitions. They've basically won that league there in Czech Republic. So they're good right now. They're playing with house money. We the ones who are coming here having to lay a bed down and we have a chance we can win some, you know. You can't you can't win if you don't play, but you gotta play right. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? Our like we spoke about a 20 a run of 25 seasons consecutively in European competitions is in jeopardy if we don't get through this time. Because the league is a done for, bro. Like, even if you said to us, we'd have to concentrate everything we have on the league. We're not as consistent as we ought to be. Although our games are winnable in the league, to where we could, in in in, in an ideal world, right, we could win the Europa League and finish say sixth, and guarantee ourselves that we'd be in the Europa League. So going to the final would be sick, knowing we're in Europe. Yet if we when we win the final, we're in the Champions League, and we can give that spot to whoever else, you know. That's how much we still can control it. You can't really trust these mandem there for seven league games. I can at least say, okay, this is a quarterfinal, second leg. Semi-final is two legs. Final is one game. It's four games, brodies. I can trust you for four, especially when I know in that four, one of them you're going to push. So I can trust you to push one of those games against Villarreal. Even if you push in the final and your push is a draw, we'll get to penalties and we'll still win. I need you to win tonight. <laughs> That's it. I need you to win tonight. We'll deal with Villarreal when we get to him. That's it. Because Prague are unbeaten, or sorry, Prague are unbeaten at home this season in the Europa League, having played 13, 1, 11, and drawn two games. The two draws are against Leicester City and Rangers. Both teams that Prague turned around and knocked out. Yes, they didn't beat us at home, so technically they didn't give us our knockout punch. Yet that goal that we gave them could be fatal. If we don't get there and score early unfortunately for us because we haven't cleared too many clean sheets it's gonna be trouble we've only kept one clean sheet in the last 14 games that was against Sheffield United so yes it's fresh it's a recent clean sheet we only have one in the last 14 we can't afford to concede without scoring two in this game so we're gonna have to be on our P's and Q's defensively and also convert our chances as well on the attacking end otherwise it's gonna be a tough night for us Brody real talk Team news wise, Kieran Tierney and David Louise are still out. Martin Odegaard and Neil Smith throw on major doubts for this game, still recovering from their injury knocks. And Saka's doubtful to start having faced a late injury test. So, a late fitness test, pardon me. So, it's going to be tough for us as it pertains to personnel wise. I think for Mikael, don't second guess it. Play as many of your heavy hitters as possible, whoever you can start them you don't get players do like listen there's no tomorrow bro this is last chance noon bro win this game us as fans i can even deal with 
whatever has to happen on the weekend happening in the Premier League knowing I'm in the semi-final of the Europa League and I still can control my destiny. If anything, that will also spur you on for what you need to do in the league. And for Miguel, this will be your saving grace and what will, change, what will save your career and turn it even around for you, right? Here at Arsenal. Yet you need to also show a level of gumption, intestinal fortitude, bro. And say, you know what? I'm putting my foot down. You saw what happened for you when Xhaka did play on that left side, right? Stardom. So it's going to be Leno and goal. I like what Chambers gave us. Yet Suarez is the better right back start him you start holding you start gabriel no funny business jacques at left back Partey in midfield with sabayos so that sabayos can do that left wing back thing that you were doing there if you don't trust him for this game and you want to be funny and defensive which i kind of know Mikel to be like you play a nanny then you tell a nanny to go do that because defensively i do trust a nanny most people don't i do what i don't trust a nanny is that Bro, can you play me a forward pass? Of late, he showcased that he does have that in his game under Adetta in the season, when I say of late. Because over the past couple games, he went back to being sideways, sideways all the time. Yet, just give me a midfield I can trust. If you can trust it, I can trust it. In that base. Saka, if available, a 10 or ESR. Otherwise, we Because <laughs> we need a 10. Because all the guys out. Saka had slight knock. ESR is coming back. For me, I realize that Miguel's probably playing poker with us, Wenger style, where it's gonna be a Mill Smith throw at the 10 and Saka's gonna be on the bench. Quote unquote emergency. Yet maybe Saka only has 30 minutes in him anyway, so he might not play this game. I'm reading it like that, saying Mill Smith throw was supposed to be out for, they said a couple games, he missed two. He should be fit for this one. I don't think they would have wanted to start him, yet they probably realized that if Udegaard's out and Saka's a doubt, we don't have a, de- a 10 in that position. We can't afford to start Ceballos at 10 in this game. The only other option would be, in Miguel's head, <laughs> he would go either Willian or you'd go Lacazette, which he's done in the past. I'd go Martinelli or Nelson, but I mean, I wouldn't want to see Willian start, period, any game. And then if you're going to start Dre Lacazette, who plays on the left wing channel, that means more conversations about, okay, I'll start Martinelli there if Lacazette's going to play in the 10 and then I'll play Abumayang down the middle. Otherwise, I'd have Nico Pepe in the wing, Saka or Mil Smith or whatever we do at the 10 and I'll put Abumayang on the left. Saying in this type of game, I'm not looking about balance no more, bro. If anything, first half, you can score me two goals. Halftime, I take you off. I take you and Lacazette off and I don't have to worry about who's playing my number nine, bro. My game is sealed. I'll put Baluga and you know, here down the middle and I'll put in a central defensive midfield and we see this game out. In this type of game, you need to go get the results not worry about handling people's emotions and feeling who started at nine, who started where. No, go get me the result, bro. We as a fan base even understand this is that type of game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sentiment out the window, bro. So I start Young on the wing, Lacazette down the middle, have my best man them out there pretty strong pretty strong bench still when you have matt ryan hector bellerin pablo marie a toss-up between suarez and chambers depending on who you start miguel aziz would be on my bench knowing el nene or sabayos depending on who you start again with Saka or esr martinelli would be on the bench with nketi or balugan as well as firepower and i feel we sh- we will win this game my only question is what the margin is going to be and what the comfort level is going to be for us as fans watching the game because these boys don't like to make it easy for us when we watch them play we know that much and in the same breath Prague are a good team for me 
I'd love to beat them handedly so that we understand that we shouldn't have put ourselves in this predicament and even when we put ourselves in a bad situation we can get ourselves out the team needs to know that they are better than this because if they scrape through this they may think that that's the level you know that maybe Prague are better than what we thought well they've been some pretty good teams yet we know the circumstances under which they beat some of those teams right so I feel even just for the for what's right for football you know they got here through some some real bullshit let's just be frank and we can't see them get any further and as a football club that takes pride in being the the team that plays the beautiful game beautifully i think it only behooves us to be the team that knocks out south of prague and they raised us asses so let's go on and do the business i pray you enjoy the game we'll link up with y'all afterwards celebrating the fact that arsenal are europa league semi-finalists mark on everything otherwise what it is is what it always be true story <laughs> a love good podcast presentation this has been when hybrid was home please like subscribe rate and review us on all dsps when you consume digital media content let us know what the vibes is otherwise come on you gooners have a blessed day enjoy the game and we'll link up with y'all after yeah peace